This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. You can learn more about Casper right now by visiting casper.com slash supertrain. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Hi, Merlin. Hi, John. How's it going? Hi, it's Merlin. Everything's great. (laughs) Everything's so great. Everything's fine. Mm. Remain calm. All is well. I got my bacon number today. Ooh. Your bacon number? No, this is boring stuff, but I've struggled. I struggle with my computer machine. Oh, your computer. Yeah. You know, I have a computer here. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, uh, but I I felt like I needed another one. Oh, now I'm, you've got my attention. And so I was like, I've got the laptop, which already has more computing power than all the computers that sent us to the moon. Uh, and I'll never use it. I'll never use any of that computing power. I've always felt with the computers that I look at it, and it's, you know, it's this world of potential that I'll never exploit. I'm just, I'm just using WordStar. But I got this laptop, and I didn't want. It just felt like it was a, it was the special box that I had the special things in. But I needed like a big box that I put other stuff in. Ooh. And I wanted it to be, you know, like that one that I used to have that everybody laughed at me from 2005. It was a big box. It had Mm -hmm. stuff in it. Yeah. So I was over at my friend Jason Finn. Uh, drummer of the Presidents of the United States of America's house. And he had this uh, this apple sitting there. Mm-hmm. And I said, what are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, you know, cleaning up, getting it out of here. Now, he said, I've got a laptop, so I don't need that anymore. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, hmm, well, why don't you give it to me? Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, okay, for a steak dinner. Interesting. So, it's just sitting there doing nothing for him. It's just sitting there doing nothing. And he said, it'll probably take one more upgrade. Like, it'll probably... It's not brand new. Mm-mm. Right? But it's still useful for the, for the big box that I need, that I feel like I need. Tabletop box. So, he said, it doesn't have a keyboard or anything. You're going to have to do that yourself. Uh, and... You know, you taught me to buy those solar-powered keyboards, so I went uh, went on to the online, and I got one of those sent to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, I went downtown to the fancy, because Jason's like, oh, no, it's got to be a good steak dinner. Went down to the fancy steakhouse at lunch. I walk in. He's sitting there with this computer on the table, like like some real suave guys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doing a slick handoff. Uh, but in the interim... I remembered that I had found a little bag that I had been meaning to give to Jason, which was a special bag. And I know how you feel about special bags. Mm -hmm. You know how I feel about special bags. Mm. Jason Jason feels this way, too. This was a bag many, many, many years ago. KEXP, our local uh, alternative radio station, gave away a messenger bag as a bonus if you donated some big amount of money. Okay. You got this messenger bag and we all got them. All the rock musicians at the time got these bags. They were bright orange. They said K E X P on them. Some people really, and you know, it was big enough to put a, put a stack of 12 inch records in it. Is it like a Timbuktu bag? Nope. No, it was just, it's actually, I mean, in my personal opinion, kind of, it has zero features. It's Mm -hmm. just like a, it's just a bag made out of made, made out, out of bag, made out of bag. Mm-hmm. It says KEXP on it. It's bright orange. A lot of people took these bags as their kind of signature at the time. Nabil, our drummer, had one. I had a couple of them. You know, it's a bag. You throw some stuff in it, yeah. but it's, it, it never didn't. It didn't mean that much emotionally to me. So I was going through. I was going through bags the other about a month ago. And I, I opened up a bag, big bag. It was full of bags. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I dug in. I was like, oh, look at this. Look at that. I pulled out a, pulled out a bag out of there, opened it up. It had bags in it. Mm. 
And inside that bag was one of these orange KEXP bags that I hadn't seen in a long time. It was in perfect condition. Jason was one of these people that had that KEXP bag and he took it everywhere. He wore his into the ground. He wore out. He wore out this bag. Sounds like he really bonded with the bag. He, the bag meant so much to him. And after he'd blown out this bag, he actually, you know, he made a kind of stink about it around town. Like he went to KEXP. He said, why don't you guys make this bag again? And they were like, that's from 10 years ago. And he said, I know, but it's the best. Like, could you make this bag just like make just a handful at a special level? Nobody would accommodate him. Hmm. And I, I knew he, he was brokenhearted that he, that he couldn't replace this bag. So I'm down there and I'm like, surprise, I brought you the like unobtainium bag. Mm. Oh, he gets all teary eyed. He he hugs it to himself Aww. like a you know like a like a, his childhood teddy bear. But now we're in this uncomfortable position where I've given him something worth a lot more to him than this dumb computer he's giving me. Hmm. And yet I'm still on the hook for buying him a steak. And this is a topic that has not been broached overtly. No, cuz he, he still he still thinks there's some steak coming. Well, cuz I'm Mr. Surprise person, right? I'm, you I are love Mr. Surprise. surprise person. You brought me a cello. I brought you a cello. Yeah. I like surprises. I, I didn't ask for it. I like to say, surprise! Hey. I, I was thinking of you. I got you this thing. I found this thing is what often happens. I found this thing. I thought of you. Surprise. And Jason, Jason, you know, like I say, like a tear in his eye, but he's also a stickler for the deal. Mm-hmm. Jason's a stickler for the deal. You we don't become a, a Jason Finn by just letting it slide. He's he like you. He has dealt with the guy in the back room smoking a cigar and peeling off the hundred dollar bills. He has. He knows and whereof he, he speaks. He knows this whole like, oh, you're, we're negotiating the record contract. Well, we're giving you one hundred percent control over the artwork. In exchange <laughs> for ninety four percent of the creative output, mm-hmm. Jason, it's a lot of people's favorite part. Oh, is the art. It really is. Mm-hmm. Listen, we negotiated hard for this one hundred percent control over the artwork. And the label's like, fine, kid. Jason knows, mm-hmm. so Jason sits down with his brand new bag, tear stained bag, tucks his napkin into his shirt. Orders a $65 steak. Ooh, that's a nice steak. Well, it was a nice steak, I have to say. So, you guys have I, good steak there. It's a good yeah, steak place. Not to be undone, of course, I ordered a $72 steak myself. You're not made of stone. <laughs> um, so, you know, long story short, I end up footing the bill for for not a no small amount of lunch. I got this computer. The bag is gone. The bag was not, that was no undue burden on me, right? I, it's not like I tearfully parted with the bag. I, I found that bag in a bag in a bag. Yeah, that's the complexity is you both were, were in some way proffering something that was not of current super value to yourself. He was not using his desktop computer machine and you were right. not using the bag in a bag in a bag. Right. Okay. Uh, but now but I we, can have all, we can all agree on steak. We can all agree that steak is a is a medium of exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so anyway, now I have this computer, this big computer, and now it is sitting here on the table. Uh, but I haven't plugged it in yet, so I'm doing this show on my laptop. Oh, good. Okay. But it's here. I'm looking at it. Mm-hmm. It looks like it looks like an apple. Does it have it's a big got, apple on the front? It does and one on the back? One on the back. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's big. It's got it's silver. It's um, it's on a kind of stand that looks like a paper clip. Sounds like you might have what's called an iMac. An iMac. Mm-hmm. I think I do. If I had my druthers, it's what I would be recording on right now. Is that right? Yes. Um, and in, so, in other circumstances, I would be speaking to you on my iMac. Uh, what are you speaking to me on right now? Uh, a MacBook, which is uh, in the parlance today in my circles, sometimes called the MacBook Adorable. It's very, very small and cute and mostly useless unless your iMac is not working. And then you plug it in with many, many dongles and you talk to your friend on the internet for a little while. Uh-huh. So it's, you've got, you're running dongles right now. Oh, I'm in dongle country. I'm, this is uh, one of those uh, 
part of that current spate of Apple products that are really great as long as you don't use them for anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> they, they operate flawlessly in conditions uh-huh. where that you don't try to do anything useful with them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, in the, the iMac, I don't know how old your iMac is, but like, do you have a rough idea? Like, what are we talking about? Orders of magnitude? How old's that thing? Uh, well, old enough that he bought it and then used it long enough that it was sitting on the table at his house. And he was like, I got to get rid of this thing. So three to five or more years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Let's put it at, let's split the difference at four, four and a half years. Okay. It's not really splitting the difference, but I, I, that's yeah. my guess. This is not begging the question. That one drives me crazy. Right. People say begging the question when they really mean raising the question. Yeah. No, they, that's not begging the question. Mm-mm. Uh, what is your opinion about this that's four years old? Let's say it's four years old. <clears throat> well, I can, uh, in the fullness of time, I will give you an idea what kind of deal you got on it. But the truth is that that is a computer that, unless it has some kind of problem, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, uh, Kramer uh, trading uh, his uh, radar detector to Newman uh, for the crash helmet, and neither one of them works, right? It becomes oh. a kind of sad gift of the Magi. If that thing works, you might have something kind of good on your hands that uh, you can put all your MP3s on. Isn't that kind of part of the deal? You want all your stuff on a thing. I want stuff on a thing, but also, yeah, like I, I have a little bit of, I mean, I don't have anywhere near the computer attachment anxiety that probably, I'm guessing, mm-hmm. 99.9% of the people listening to this program suffer from. They have a lot of feelings. <laughs> and so, like, if my laptop got left somewhere, or if it got wiped, or if it got stolen... Or if it was, you know, or if, God forbid... It sat in a crackhead's trunk for a year. I sat in a crackhead's trunk for a year. Or uh, or if, it were, <laughs> if he were to be shot by a policeman. Hmm. Or if he were to... Or some un, other unfortunate... Oh, you're uh, saying like a Theodore Roosevelt type situation. Like you're up there giving a speech and a gunman takes a crack at you. Mm-hmm. And stops the bullet. Computer takes the blow. You continue speaking because you're all fucking Theodore Roosevelt. That kind of situation. That's right. That's right. I'm mm-hmm. shot by a bullet, but I but I apprehend the culprit first of all, and then continue with my speech. Never pausing. Never pausing. Uh, okay. All right. So, so I'm not. I, I don't have that problem. What I just have is the problem of a proliferation of boxes. Yeah, but also justice. You want to make sure this is just. If you, if, you, if you turn this thing on and, and it has a bomb on it or something, you know, like a sad, sad face or something, if it doesn't work, the hard drive's busted or something, you know. Oh, oh, we'll go, Jason and I will go back to the start. On yeah, I'm curious. I, I mean, I, I don't want to get, get in front of our skis on this one, but, uh, you know, Jason's an art dealer and he has a drummer. Right. So these are things we need to keep in mind. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to cast aspersions. We're living in a more woke and learned time, and I don't mm-hmm. want to just say things about drummers, even though we know it's mostly mm-hmm. true. It's a cultural mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not... See, I think it's a difference in culture when you're dealing yeah. with a drummer. You're absolutely right. You're it's absolutely not, right. It's not that they're less intelligent or mm-hmm. trustable. Mm-hmm. Don't you think a lot of it is how a drummer is raised? You know... it. I appreciate that you're trying to show cultural sensitivity I wanna, here. I want to be I want to be culturally sensitive because I've never I've never uh, walked in a, in drummer shoes. That's right, and, and I, I think imagine they to... I imagine they suffer a lot. They're the, they're the brunt of a lot of jokes that that are very funny because they're true, mm-hmm. and uh, they're usually the least useful person in the band, including the bass player. And take and taken together. Mm-hmm. You ever have to uh, move? You ever have to move your drummer's drums because they just weren't into it? And they were talking to somebody. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a guitar drummer. players end up doing a lot of the heavy lifting in my experience. The, the, drummer, drummer's, off, uh, you, the drummer's the drummer's in like a like a restroom stall and can't figure out how to get out. You get the bass player over here talking up a bird, and you're the one you're the one carrying the floor toms. If you know what I'm saying. You remember one? Uh, I had a guy that didn't have uh, that didn't have cases for his drums or cymbals because he didn't believe in them. Mm. He would carry each. Is that part of the sim- culture, John? Is that your raise? It's symbolic. Stands. It's symbolic. No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. I think other drummers also. Uh, that was anomalous. But but you're you're right. There's. I mean, this is the problem with stereotypes. They're yeah. stereotypes for a reason. Uh, and uh, we can't talk about that anymore. No, you can't. Really, mm-hmm. it's impossible to say everything that we used to be able to say about drummers. Yes, because it was understood in the culture that we were. That we were not only just kidding, mm-hmm. 
but also well, that we were serious, that we were serious and it was true. Yeah. I mean, it's a kind of kidding that's, that's very, very serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people don't have to live with a drummer. They don't have to, you know, deal with a drummer in a business standpoint or with trying to keep a beat or, or right. any of those kinds of things. And, well, and also, all they want to do, they got their crash cymbal that's made out of a, you know, out of a crosscut saw. And that's like a funny thing to them. They strap it onto a stand and pretty soon you're carrying that out to the van. But while there, they're are stuck, while they're drummers, stuck in the bathroom. there are drummers mm-hmm. and then there are drummers. Oh, you know? are you talking and, about percussionists? Well, I'm talking about, I'm talking about, you know, like the difference between a drummer, like I know a drummer. I know a lot of drummers. Sure. I'm friends with drummers. Yeah, well. But then there are, you know, then there are drummers mm-hmm. that are like, ugh, right? Everybody knows what we're talking about here. Drummers. Yeah. <sighs> At some point, let's, well, here's the thing. Let's not let's not get ahead of ourselves. You need to get this thing rolling. Make sure it even just even starts up, right? That's well, that's got to be one of the it, first tasks. I'm looking at it here in the in the sidelight, and there's a schmutz on it. And I specifically said to him when he handed it over to me, I was like, "This thing's not covered with schmutz, is it?" Mm-hmm. And he was like, "No, no, 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 no." Which immediately, like, yes, it was. But he's also very he's fastidious enough that I think he sprayed it down with a cleaner. But there's oh, okay. A, That's nice. But there's a uh, there's like something on the screen that won't rub off. It's like a mm. um, like a damage, like something. It's not cracked, but it's like it's got some kind. It's a, it's a kind of a physical artifact of of some kind of damage. Yeah, it's got like a like uh, looks like you know because it's a it's like a it's made out of the same stuff as my electric stove, your Corian stovetop stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it looks like somebody put a pot down on it. I would not hmm, see. I shouldn't say this. I I wouldn't put that past the drummer. If a drummer made some beans and needed a place to put them, I could see him putting his, his iMac off axis and using it as as a kind of uh, trivet. How do we know that he didn't drum on it? How do we know that, that this isn't some kind of thing where he did a paradiddle on it while he was... He paradiddled, he paradiddled on his computer machine. He was websiting and he was like... He, oh, probably, shit, he, he probably thinks that adds value. Because that's what they do that on the dashboard of their car. You know, you'll see that a lot. Yeah. You'll see that in traffic. Oh, my. I think that this actually has a... Uh, well, wait a minute. Now I'm rubbing, I'm rubbing it here. And it won't rub off. Well, we'll find out. Be careful. Out. You don't want to get too many oils on there. You should get a, you should get a product I like a lot, a lot called Whoosh. You can order this from um, your retailer there in town. And Whoosh, you get this uh, nice bottle. This is not an endorsement, but you get a uh, – retweets are not endorsements. But you get this mm. bottle of stuff called Whoosh, and mm. it comes with what they call a microfiber cloth. And you go – you put a little bit of Whoosh on the microfiber cloth, and then you gently gently rub it off. And that will sometimes restore it to its showroom shine. You can do that with your phone. I did that with all the devices the other day. Is this a thing that I can just use the sh- the sp- the spritz and the microfiber cloth that I get with a new pair of glasses? Or is P- this a special? Possibly. There are products that are made for electronic devices. Uh-huh. And I've, I've learned from friends of mine who have been uh, Geni at the Apple store that you want right. to not spritz directly onto the surface of the screen. You want to spritz onto the microfiber cloth, not uh, too much, I not see. too little. And I then see. when you rub it off, you want to be real gentle. So are these friends of yours or friends of ours? Oh, mostly friends of mine. I don't think you know yeah. that many Genii, do you? Have you ever met a Genii? Do you know people who are geniuses in the Grove? Well, I have a friend who is oh, a... Oh, you got the Eric Corson. He was a genius, right? He was... Eric was a genius. Not ever at the Mac store. Not ever at the Apple store, but at the Mac store. Mm. Hm. Do you remember before there were Apple stores? Oh, yeah. There were... Of course you do. There were authorized Mac stores. They would have a big neon apple in the window with colors and whatnot. Yeah, but they also sold other things like Radio Shack. Yes. Uh, they were independently owned and operated. Mm-hmm. They were like... Uh, yeah, they, they, were might, like they might have been like... I think you could get like certified by yeah, Apple, but they were doing that's their it. own thing. They still exist, and they're real weird. Uh, they, they were always weird. It always felt like there was a, gu- a guy with a gray ponytail mm-hmm. who ha- who would like ha- had an Apple IIe. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of there were people like Eric Corson back in the back doing Mac Mac attacks. Yeah, back, what, back, in, what, back doing Mac attacks. Yeah. Back in back in the back of Mac attack. He's working for uh, working for Bobby. Uh, the guy. He's probably maybe, he could be a Gulf War vet, but Bobby's the guy with the ponytail and he's running yeah. stuff. Yeah, and uh, it was a great job for Eric because he would say, "Okay, guys, I'm going on tour," and they would take his uh, like milk carton 
that he sat on that also <laughs> contained all of his stuff, and they'd tuck it under the under the workbench, mm-hmm. and the the rest of the guys would you know they were all like back they were backpack and Mac attack backpack Mac attackers yeah, and then he'd come back to work a month later, two months later. And they'd turn his milk carton upside down, and all his tools would be in there, and he'd sit down and get back to work making Santa's toys. I would would not leave anything super valuable in the milk carton. Yeah, well, I would not. I would not leave. I don't feel like any of them had anything valuable. (laughs) This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Casper. You can learn more about Casper right now by visiting casper.com/supertrain. Casper is a sleep brand that continues to revolutionize its line of products to create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience one night at a time. At Casper, mattresses are perfectly designed for humans and engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. Casper brand mattresses combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. And Casper's breathable design helps you sleep cool and regulates your body temperature throughout the night. Listen, you spend one-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. I'm here to tell you, each and every one of the human members of my own household all sleep on a Casper mattress. We all love it. Our cat still sleeps on a filthy cushion near a heating vent, because frankly, she's an unlovable Dickensian grotesquerie, and none of us like her very much. Casper mattresses are delivered right to your door in a small, how-did-they-do-that size box. They even offer free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. Thing is, you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They offer no hassle returns if you're not completely satisfied. So start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper, and you get $50 toward any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com supertrain and using the promo code supertrain at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Our thanks to Casper for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. <laughs> I, I would not leave quarters or weed in the milk carton. No, no, I do that all the time. I'm like, let's see, I've got all these little bits. I, I mean, and I throw them in a milk carton. <laughs> I've taken people's quarters. I, I've done that. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, but so, but yeah, so the Mac store. God, I remember the first Mac store I went to. It it felt like a ho- it felt like a hobby place. Exactly. There was one. There was a big one in town here on Sixth on Sixth uh, Street, I believe, called Mac Adam, and that was like it was it was the Valhalla of nerdy hobbyist Apple stores. So they would have software, they would have hardware, they had many many kinds of devices. If you want to get a SCSI twenty five or a SCSI fifty, you go there. Mm-hmm. You want to get an Ethernet adapter, that's where you go. Yep. But it always felt kind of, sh- they felt kind of shambling, especially now compared to what we think of as an Apple store. They felt the light, very, the, yeah. the lighting was very dark in them, wasn't it? And it was, yeah. and there was like, there was unfinished shingling. Carpeting. On the Often had carpeting. Carpet. Yeah. Carpeting in those, in those shelves with holes in them, like at a hardware store, an old hardware yep. store. Yep. Hmm. I have a friend here that is the assistant manager. He's either the assistant to the regional manager or he's the assistant regional manager of uh, an Apple store at one of the big malls here in the region. Oh, wow. And so I will go visit him sometimes. And it used to be that it felt like I got a friend in the diamond business. Mm. And I'd go... (laughs) And he doesn't have to wear the T-shirt. Oh, so he's, he's like uh, an enlisted man. Not he's a uh, like an officer. He's an officer. He gets to wear a shirt with the button-down collar that does not indicate that he's a Borg member. Okay. And uh, you know, sometimes I'll go and he won't be there, and then I'll see him walking the mall with with an employee, giving him giving the employee an employee review. Hmm. So he's not like he's not a low level operative, but he's definitely at the level where if he speaks to Lord Vader, he may get choked at a distance. Yeah, pray he doesn't alter it further. You're talking about second lieutenant. You know, second yeah. Louis. Colin. Well, but you know, a lieutenant. Like, oh, not a, I see. He's got like a riding crop and a button-down shirt. Yeah, maybe like a jaunty beret. And it used to be that you could kind of waltz in there and say, like, know what I mean? Nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Is your wife a goer? Yeah, does she go? And he would, it's not like he ever, like, slid you anything. Oh. But he'd say, let me... He might crack your case without an appointment. Yeah, he'd say, let me facilitate that for you. Okay. 
Oh, I Blade. like that. I like, I like a friend in the diamond business. Well, me too. Ooh, that's nice to you have. Know, you know, I'll get into a whole line of business that I don't even care about if I have a friend in it. Oh, it certainly opens the door. I mean, I'm like, I collect diamonds. When did you start mm-hmm. doing that? Oh, I had a friend in the diamond business. Tell me I don't more. Yeah. I don't care about diamonds. No. I just I got into it because it's nice to have a pal. <laughs> um, but the last couple of times, he's like, yeah, there's been a big crackdown from HQ, and we don't do anything nice for anybody anymore. It's not but a very fun place to work right now. But you're welcome to come down. <laughs> Watch me evaluate my employees. <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome to come down and be in the store and get treated like a regular person. Uh, I mean, he he can still get me a genius. He can get me a genius to look at my problem, uh, like without waiting for a year. That's I think that part of it, like what's happening in the store. I don't want to go off on a rant here, but it is very ad hoc. Where like I fortunately have not had that many occasions where I had to take my computer in to get looked at, but I had a pretty good reckon on what it was. But you know, it might be the logic board, whatever. But you take it in, and it is a death march. You got to make an appointment. It might be a week before you get Oi. an appointment, and then you go Oi. in. You still got to wait. It might be an hour. You're sitting there. Oh, oh no! And it's, of course, it's like a lot of it historically has. been been somebody with an ancient mac that might even be out of it's a lot like the coupon situation at walgreens where people mm-hmm. in there and they're like i can't get i don't know what happened to the photos on my ipad mini and like there's all you know and you gotta walk through all of that but nowadays they're having actual problems with their products and it's not oh. a very fun place to work Uh-oh. their new keyboards are like bad and they're Uh-oh. on the on the laptops yeah yeah this is a little bit inside baseball but just to give you a feel for this i've had friends that get like a crumb or a hair or something in this tiny little keyboard that has no key travel. How would you get a crumb or a hair in Sometimes the, in a person the keyboard? Has, a person I mean, has to eat. What would you do? You'd be eating or something or have well, hair? You know, really? you're reporting from the show floor or something like that. Maybe <laughs> you're having a dumpling. But then they have to go through these mandated, these court mandated tests that they got to go through. And one oh, the te- they got to run the diagnostics, John. You got to run on. the diagnostics. Come on. I've you know how I feel about diagnostics. The diagnostics tell you nothing. The diagnostics tell you the diagnostics found found nothing. I've been yeah, running diagnostics di- on my Skype for a week now. The diagnostics I'm, say, have you turned off your computer? Oh, and turned for it the love on. of Pete. <laughs> how many times can a person do that? But then apparently, turns out, one of the things that they need to do, part of the, once they've run the, I guess, the like software diagnostics and hardware diagnostics, then the geni- genius goes through and has to hit every key on the keyboard and see what it does. No wonder it takes a week to get an appointment with those right? guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Haven't, hasn't somebody, I bet you there's, there is a Roderick on the line listener who has already invented a machine that hits every key on a keyboard. Oh, you know, just for, that. just for their own amusement. They've done it. Yeah. Eventually they'll put it on Etsy, but for now it's just an articulated finger that hits all the keys. Like I knew a kid up here whose band was him and a bunch of machines he built to play instruments. Oh. So it was regular it's nice, instruments. It's nice to have a friend. <laughs> it's a nice to have little robot friends. Meet Moop. And I think he had like, I think he took chopsticks and put little, little like uh, tissue paper on the end of them and taught mm. it how to play the piano. Oh. And it had uh, machines, and the one of them played the bass, I think. And I, I don't, I, I saw it a couple of times, and it was, it was phenomenal. I don't know, I don't know how hard it would be to tour because I think you had to, I think you basically have to rebuild it every time. I mean, but, isn't it fair to say that ever since the 808, drummers have mostly been optional? It's mostly for optics. I have a little box that mm-hmm. makes so I'm a yeah I know you're a, you're a, a hobbyist. Box. It's why I'm so popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you got a tight little box. You got a tight little music box. You do. Uh, Daddy mm. never sleeps at night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Come and flick my drummer. <laughs> Four on the floor, baby. But I have this little thing made by Boss, made the by the Boss Company, and. Um, and it just makes drum sounds. And I'm a terrible... There are so many cool drum machines, including the 808. I went into a music store... You can get an 808 long. simulator on your freaking phone now. Yeah, but that doesn't make me happy. I decided you want to hit those I, buttons. You want to make the patterns. Like, well, I don't really even want to do it. that. What no. I want to do is sit... Uh, what I want to do is sit on the couch, as I've done for 25 years, and say to someone sitting at a computer or a box, mm-hmm. uh, can you make it go... Just, just keep playing until I tell you I'm not angry anymore. Just That's keep trying right. different things. That's right. I was at a. I did a recording day one time where the drummer came up finally 
and said, I've played this song 40 times. I'm not going to play it again. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's what drummers do. Yeah. They play it over and over and over. And he said, I've played it perfectly 40 times. You you need to get your shit together. Well, And I said, here's what drummers do. They play it 41 times. Yeah. They play it 42. Again, again. That's how I... Mm-hmm. That's how I get my shit together. If you had wanted to be in a, if you'd wanted to play an instrument that people cared what you thought, yeah. you would have picked a better one. Yeah, you would have, you would have gotten a violin or an oboe or something that people have a, a lot of respect for. But no, you, you're in there to keep playing. You're like a mouse in a maze. I'll tell you when you found the end of the maze. Don't you worry. You just keep walking. I'll tell you when you're done. I picked up a chair mm-hmm. and I had, of course, I already had my whip and I put him back in his cage yeah. and I said, keep fucking playing this. You got to know how to kennel a drummer. Oh, yeah. But uh, so I I have this box, and basically it has an it has two knobs. One is tempo, and the other is uh, you can change what the pattern is. And you change the it move the knob one thing, and it goes, mm, 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 mm. and then you move it again, and it's like, mm, mm, and you move it again, it's like, mm, 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 mm. so it's really it's just tempo and complexity. Tempo and complexity. And then there is a menu if you want to go scroll, 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 and you can change time signature. Hmm. So the complexity... That's that's better than most drummers. (sighs) You know what I'm saying? You said it. Mm -hmm. I mean, they'll they'll, they'll, they'll be able to rip out a little bit of Tom Sawyer until it falls apart, but mostly you're going to go back to 4-4, let's be honest. Yeah, well, no. See, because I like trick. I like tricky tricks. You're talking about drummer drummers. Oh yeah, there are some. I mean, Barrett Martin loves to play in in seven seven sixteen. You got your boy Matt Chamberlain. Like he's a drummer drummer. Loves to play that stuff. That guy's, that guy's, that guy's playing on a different level. He's got Galaxy Mind. Matt Chamberlain, Matt Cameron, like Cameron, to play little, all the great Matt tricky, mm-hmm. tricky dicks. Uh. Anyway, so I've got this thing, and I just like the way it sounds. I run it into an amplifier, which is like the that's so the thing itself has. And then you mic you mic the amp, or do you di the amp? I don't even do that. I just sit and I just sit and entertain myself playing guitar over this thing through an amplifier. All right, that sounds like a nice way to pass the afternoon. It is, and it and it really (laughs) disturbs me that I cannot just. I don't even have the technical. Uh, ability to just make that my sound. It is my sound. It's the only thing I care about. I go into the studio and I'm like, well, here's my thing that I made. And and like a live drummer's like, oh, I can do that. And he starts to play and I'm like, I kind of just like the, the sound of my I box. I know. It's almost the like you amp- want a sober, reliable Grant Hart. You want somebody who can come in and like keep a beat and you say, okay, well, we'll do more flibbity-jibbity. And then they can do more flibbity-jibbity, but they don't lose the beat. But still, yeah. there's the, there's a purity to the to the what the what the uh, Krautrock call uh, a four on the floor that kind of noy you know yep. four four yep. on the floor beat that's that's a fantastic beat. Well, and this is the thing of making music with other people because there are a lot of times when the bass line that I record myself goes dun 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 for an hour. Every song you write is an ACDC song. No chord change. That you know, like I, I, as I'm writing it, I'm talking to the bass player, who is me, and I say, "Do you talk to yourself like you're a bass player?" Yeah. Okay. You adjust your expectations. I'm like, okay, listen, okay, here's a cracker. Okay, listen, you're not going to do anything in this song except this. You're not going to change it all. What if I go? No, no, no. The other instruments are going to make changes. They're going to change chords and stuff. The bass is only going to go until the song is over. You're basically a bass drum with an open E. Yeah, right. Uh, but it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. It's very crucial to the song. If it doesn't happen, it's not bass. Well, and it's not that, right? The song doesn't have the thing. Mm-mm. The song doesn't have the... It's, you're the key thing. Yes. And and the amazing skill that some bass players have is to realize that really to play only one note through the entire length of a song and to still like be in the pocket and make it groove is even harder then moving stuff around because yeah. you have to be like dun, 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 and not, not start thinking about something else. <laughs> if you start thinking about something else, yeah, then you're going to wander. You're going to wander away from the tune. Mm-hmm. But if you can really be in that bass, really be in that bass moment, 
Mm. And just every single one of those dunes matters just as much to you as the one before it and the one after. Wow. And now you're saying, like, basically not get distracted. Like, when the words start, you start thinking about, like, what kind of sandwich you're going to have. Right. And the thing is, this is a thing that this is why bass players are often perfectly suited to this because there's not a lot of other things they're going to think about. Right, right, right. They don't really have that much to think about. Like where, where's my milk carton? Basically. It's kind of a rhythmic fidget spinner. And it's key. It's key. Oh, it's so key. But pretty soon then you're like, uh, pretty soon then you're just, you're sitting up there with a bunch of instruments that you made yourself or you're playing everything through a, through a boss pedal into a single amplifier and you're, you're like LCD sound system guy, except you can't afford 25 people on stage with you. Yeah. I don't know. People really like that LCD sound system guy. I like some of their stuff quite a lot. Yeah, I like I, I, I like drummers. I, I like I like music. Thing. You just did that Merlin thing where where your voice went up an octave, nah. which doesn't necessarily mean that you really do like it. Like nah. it. I like Taylor kind Hawkins. Of, I think Taylor Hawkins is really good. It's kind of like when <laughs> Taylor Hawkins when plays a, good parts. <laughs> when a British when a British person says, "Oh, I quite like it." Oh yeah yeah it yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I've played... The, ah, my, my problem is that, like, like so many people, I came at the bass... This is no disrespect to the wonderful people who play the bass, but I came at the bass as a guitar player. I'm a very Lou Barlow-esque bass player, where it's like, I'm playing a one and a five, and I'm going up, and I'm playing a little melody, and I'm mostly I'm going boop, 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 or I'm trying to be my quad. Like, I don't... I mean, to me, a bass playing was a hack for me. Like uh-huh. guitar playing, I never like 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 you. I I never bothered to get very good at guitar, but I knew my way around. I knew what my capabilities were, m- mostly. You know, like, and I knew that like if I wanted to make a silly sounding fake Eddie Van Halen solo, I knew how to make that funny. But like yeah. with bass, I came at it totally as a hack, where it's like, okay, I understand all these strings are pretty much the same as the lower four strings. I can figure that out, and then I figured out how to roughly emulate something that wasn't that wasn't doing a Ramones. I wasn't trying to do just what the guitar part was. Right. And then, you know, as again, as a fan of Husker Du, I started loving that idea of like counterposing what the bass is doing melodically with the guitar. Mm. But I still mm. came at it with the way of thinking. I think there's a guitar way of thinking and a bass way of thinking. And I think Absolutely. they're very I think they're very different. You approach the instrument, your role and the capabilities and the place in the song are very different from comparing between a natural bass player and a natural guitar player. Yes. That may sound ridiculously obvious until you <clears throat> listen to some guy who picked up bass over the weekend. Like it was sort of like you had to do one time, right? So no musician would ever disagree with what you just said, but I think most lay people are not aware of how massively different the two instruments are. Their role is is complementary, but so really a bass is closer to drums than it is to a guitar. And it's amazing to me that there are lead singers who are bass players because the two things mm. like playing guitar and singing is very natural you're you're throwing the chords down in piles and you're building you know you're building the lego structure of the song and you're singing in the in between your strums kind of you know you're like and here i go strumming and strumming and singing and i'm strumming and i'm singing and but the bass isn't doing that at all. You know, the bass is like, I am holding it down here with the kick drum. And to sing over that is super duper different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you, you know, you see lead singer bass guys, Sting and Getty Lee and Paul McCartney. Uh, Jack huh? Blades. Jack Blades. Is that his name? No. <laughs> Who's the um, guy in Night Ranger? Uh, uh, it was, there was, yeah, Jack Blades. Was he the, was he the bassist? I think Kelly Keegan. <laughs> Kelly Keegan? Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. I think Keegan, Keegan Michael Kelly. 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 Keegan Michael Kelly, I think, was the, was the drummer. You got, you got Brad Keegan Pitt, Michael Brad Kelly, Pitt playing wasn't guitar. He in Home Alone? Which one? Are you uh, about Home jo- Alone 1. Joe, Joe Pesci? Joe Pesci? Joe Pesci was in a band. He was in was a band Pe- with, he was in a band with somebody else. He was in a band with like a Joe Montaigne at one point, I think. Are you telling me Joe Pesci was in Home Alone? You're, are you gaslighting me? No, I've never seen Home Alone. What? It had uh, it had jo- Jody Foster yep. Wallace. Jody. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Jody Foster's Army was a funny name. It Jody was. Foster Wallace is a terrific name. <laughs> Joe Pesci was in Joey D and the Starlighters. 
Hmm. Uh, Recently or before he became an actor? No, no, this is back in the day. And who was he in with this? He was in this with somebody else who's famous. And it's like like a Joe Montana. I'm taking you off your topic of bass. Yeah. Yeah, well... When I started playing the bass, as uh, we've recorded this story before of of my like jumping into the bass, that's, that's, that's an epic story. But I didn't have to sing lead; I only had to sing harmony, and that's easier. It's easier to just be like ah. It's very hard for me to play the bass properly and uh, and sing because I just because uh, certainly my own songs I did not write them or around the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. And at one point we always were we always had a hard time figuring out how to play Blue Diamonds on tour. You guys would switch around. You'd switch parts. We'd switch, we'd switch around cuz the piano part on that song is not difficult but it's sort of sig- singly a thing that I would write and do. It's not a thing that you'd say like, "Hey, piano player, here you go." Bump bump it up It's just not like a normal it's it's a piano part written by somebody that doesn't really play the piano. And so it was <clears throat> we could never figure out how to how to recreate it on stage. And so what we ended up doing at one point was I played the bass, Eric Corson played the guitar and we just eliminated the piano. And mm. I I was so terrible at the bass. We did this for an entire tour. I never figured out how to do it. And in fact, a critic from the Village Voice came to our show in New York and said in the review, Longwinner's a great band. Lead singer can't play the bass. Oh, boy. But, uh, Put that but in your Paz and Jop and smoke it. Fortunately, he only tries to do it once. I was like, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. wow. I, I, I deserved it. I deserved it. Can I blow your mind? I, Can I blow your mind? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so Joe Pesci was in a band. He was friends with Frankie Valley. Uh, and so he was in a band. I'm not seeing the name of the band. He was in a band with Frank Vincent. So do you remember the movie Goodfellas? Yes. When he says, get your shine box. Yes. That actor. Was in a band? With with uh, what, Joseph Pesciansky. Mm-hmm. Pesci? Yep. There's photos. Oh. There's photos. Go search for uh, Joe Pesci band. Whoa. I think but, Pesci probably means fish. That's what I'm going to guess. Mm-hmm. Joe Fish. Joe. I called him Joey Fish. <laughs> Joey Fish. It's a it's a Sicilian message. <laughs> it means Joey sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> it's Joey sings with his co-star. Uh, that's uh, pretty great. He so was a child actor, Joe Pesci. Yeah, I didn't know that. He was in a show called Star Time Kids. Oh, that was that uh, kids cartoon show about James Brown. <laughs> Star Time Babies. Doubtful. <laughs> Guy comes oh, out with the cape. Oh my God! Look at them. They're so amazing. Their mustaches are so mustachy. I know. That looks I like to- Tony Orlando. Is that Tony Orlando? Oh, I. It's the mm. two guy. It's Joe Pesci and and, Don. Uh, and, <laughs> and and then Tony Orlando and then Don. But Don, it's like the Don. Uh, Tony oh, Orlando. And Don. Oh, that's funny. I like that. Yeah. You know what? That's a my brother and my brother and me joke. That, that is. That, that's fun. That's yeah. fun. Yeah, they're huh. fun. Um, so it, it's not a disrespectful thing. It's it's self preservation. You got to know what you're in for with these people. And this is not to say that every guitar player. I mean, guitar players. Mm, if you're just a guitar player, even if you're like a really good guitar player, mm, see, I I feel like this is already problematic. A lot of what we're saying. Hmm. You know how how so? Well, like. <laughs> well. When, no, I'm Travis. When when you when you uh, watched the uh, Metallica documentary, if you were me and you thought you knew how Whoa. things worked in Metallica, Zoom, yeah, you know, how I did th- you think things worked in Metallica? Well, I bought into the guitar for the practicing musician idea. The Kirk Hammett was a wonderful gift that was brought to Metallica, who had no idea really what they were doing before then. No, wow. I mean that's not entirely true. But when you think of who in the eighties and nineties. Unimpeachably, who is the guitar wizard and probably controlling cool guy in Metallica? If you had to say who 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 in the um, mythology would that be? James Hetfield. Really? See, I came up thinking that it was always Kirk Hammett. Kirk, Kirk Hammett was always the one getting before the YouTube age. We could go in and see who actually plays what parts and does what. You know, we had clues. We had, we what? Had, we had well, we had clues. This is the, the, you are talking 
pure crazy right now. I now I know that because I've seen the documentary and I've watched well, the YouTube. I know well, no, that but now. That, but but the craziness that you are you are talking pure crazy, and I would have said that in 1984. Kurt, Kurt Hammett. Yeah. Was, was uh, it, I don't he think was, he knows. I think a lot of times he doesn't know what key it's in. No, he was always a dingling. Every yeah. everything was played by James James Hetfield. Well, everything. I think Jay, my understanding is that James is the guy who really brings the personality and sound that makes Metallica Metallica, and his rhythm guitar playing is monstrously good. Which like, is all of the songs. That's yes, and then you get this guy over here, and he's got a block of cheese, and he's grading it uh, in, in some kind of Phrygian mode, but he might be a couple uh, frets off, and he just gets a little squealy. You take, the end of, you take the end of, uh, as it seems to fade away, you get to the end of that boy, and he's, he's doing his, his shredding, and it's, uh, it gets a little, little raga. <laughs> my, my, my experience of Metallica, and this is, then this, I think, was every, every true, because you weren't metal, is the thing. I would not, no, I mean, I wasn't like a denim jacket guy, but I deeply loved uh, mini metal bands. Yes, but yeah, like I wouldn't you call myself a metal head. I would call myself no. a college rock guy. You were a college rock guy. That's mm-hmm. right. And you, but you were not a denim jacket guy. No, so, but I mean, start. But like going back to Iron Iron Maiden and Metallica and some Judas Priest and whatever, and and then into the eighties, like whatever was on Headbangers Ball. Like um, mm-hmm. that's a little later. But like no, I mean, I genuinely. I've told you before about my friend Phil, who made me this mixtape of, of a metal mixtape in 1985 that changed my life. Mm-hmm. It had so much great metal stuff on it, and Steve Vian opened all these doors to go beyond what I knew of as classic rock. And that's where I first heard Whiplash, and it's where mm-hmm. I first heard Fade to Black, and like you know, uh, the Trapped Under so Ice, you, and all that stuff. When you went through that huge accept phase, where you're just like, <laughs> all I want to hear is accept. <laughs> uh, the um, the Udo, thing about Udo uh, Dirk Schneider, I believe his name is. <laughs> the thing about so I forget Metallica. to pay the electric bill, but I know the singer of Accept. Yeah, Udo Dirkschneider. Udo Dirkschneider. There were two good musicians in Metallica oh, and boy. two bad musicians in Metallica. Well, I think uh, we're probably going to, you know what, we're going to get a lot of letters on this one. We're going to get a lot of letters confirming that there are two good, good musicians in Metallica and two I bad. think you have to accept that uh, the man was not really playing drums. He was beating on a phone book. When you accept the tonality of Injustice for All and realize that he was playing on a Yellow Pages, you know, you really appreciate that boy could really play some Yellow Pages. It feels like a thing where... Who ships an album that sounds like that? Who says this is okay? James Hetfield was a person, and this happens in music a lot of the time, where he's very loyal to his friend. His friend was there from the beginning. His friend was there. His friend started it with him. And when the and when you're first starting a band, you start a band with whoever's standing around. Mm-hmm. Was it El Cerrito? You know, where are they from? Oh yeah, something like that. I should know this. East, East Bay, LA. I guess they. Techn- Everybody says they're from LA. Uh, they're from San Francisco. I thought they're from the East Bay. I thought they're from like El Cerrito. Am I thinking of CCR? Mm, no, CCR is from LA. Uh, what? No. Metallic is from San what? Francisco. What? No. I mean, CCR. They, 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 they live. They live in fancy Robin Williams houses now. But I think they're from. I think they're from the East Bay. Well, no, they, I think they are from the East Bay. I, I, I stand corrected. Like, Formed in not... Los Angeles in late 1981 when Danish-born drummer Lars Ulrich placed an advertisement in The Recycler. Hmm. Whoa. You're saying that Metallica started in L.A. and then moved to San Francisco? I think of them as being from the Oakland area. Well... See, I don't. Now I'm really confused. And now, then where's CCR from? I swear to God. They're thought, from L.A. I oh, think they're from Oh, come on. Really? Yeah. How'd they get on the Zantz label? That's like an East Bay... This is really upsetting to me. I'm taking you off uh, your point. You're going to tell me about friendship. El Cerrito. Yeah. CCR is from El Cerrito. They're from they the are. Oakland area. Oh, isn't that interesting? Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, what do you know? We Fantasy had that flipped records. around. We had that flipped around. That's CCR is from the East make. Bay. Yeah. Metallica is from LA. Now, what about Green Day? The Green Day band. Aren't they from like Berkeley? CCR is from East Bay. Okay. Metallica is from LA. LA. Green Day is from... No way. <laughs> <laughs> this is, and, this, and this is the SAT test. Uh-huh. That's, that's, what uh, we're doing is we're providing mnemonics for future yeah, SAT CC, tests. CCR is to East Bay okay. as Metallica is to LA. LA. Okay, and Journey, so, Journey City it, by the Bay, started mm-hmm. out as a song about L.A. Huh. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, when the lights go down the city and the sun shines on L.A. And then they flipped it around. 
They took it and they turned it is what they did. Well, that, and now everybody, much, everybody here is singing song. along at these terrible 49ers games that aren't even in the city of San Francisco, and they're singing along on these songs. They're, not, they're singing a song about L.A. It might as well be Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's a much better song about, about San Francisco <laughs> than it would have been about L.A. Yeah. But L.A.'s got enough songs about it already. I know. Uh, the thing is, James Hetfield, mm-hmm. he started this band with this guy because the guy started the band. Apparently, Lars was the one that put the ad in. He put it in the recycler. That was him. And James was like a teenager, and he said, "Yeah, sure." And then, and I'm sure Lars's Danishness was kind of exotic at the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's very metal to be from Denmark. Mm-hmm. Denmark is one of the more metal countries. I mean, yeah, it's not as I, metal I think we stipulated as, that the Donsk is uh, is a very uh, metal land. They're not as metal as <laughs> Czechoslovakia, but well, <laughs> they're not playing in a creek. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> they're not uh, hiding in piles of leaves. <laughs> But at a certain point, James had to know that Lars was an albatross. He was a lodestone. Uh, but he was a he's a man to whom loyalty matters. Yeah. But when they got Kurt Hammett, uh, the only thing that he can do is play a million notes. Those notes are non-melodic. Those notes are, in my estimation as a musician, nonsensical. Yeah. He's, and, he's, their, he's their Jimmy Page a little bit. And as far... What? Yeah. What do you mean Jimmy Page is a genius? Mm. So much blues. Mm. So many blueses. Oh my god. He has so many blueses. He he he's a sloppy cheapskate is what he is. He's sloppy, yes, because he's feeling the blues so intensely. Oh, it's the blues. Yes, he he's so blues. What's John Paul Jones feeling? Cuz I think I'm feeling what he feels. John Paul Jones <laughs> is thinking about higher math. John oh, Paul he's, Jones- he's he's on different maths. Yeah, he's like Tom Schultz. He's like inventing it. Schultz, stop saying that. It's Schultz. <laughs> <laughs> I think like, you're thinking like of Charles Schultz, whose home yeah. was destroyed in the recent recent fires. R.I.P. Oh no, really? Oh no, that's terrible, John. It's terrible. We, we can't get into that. That's just too sad. No bummers. Charles Schultz's home, where yeah. all of the great laughs where were. Where he made great. All, he, he he grew all the peanuts there. Oh. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, friendship is important, and uh, we, I think magic. we can agree that Jimmy Page really dragged the band down at a lot of points. I this heard, whole business about Page being sloppy, mm-hmm. which is true, yes, is a it's a bonus. It's a blessing. It is a blessing mm-hmm. because he was he's not he was competing with Emerson Lake and, and Project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. at, the, at that point in we time, forget, we forget about the the uh, the Emerson Lake and Project era because that's yeah. when a lot of people uh, encoded. Is that the word for it? <laughs> right. Yeah, I've been reading this book about prog rock, and it's easy to forget. This really good book by Dave Weigel about prog rock that's very, very good, and about the culture of prog rock that continues today, mostly on cruise ships. But just we forget about this era, how influential all that stuff was at the time. That's what people aspire to. They wanted to be freaking King Crimson. Well, and that's why punk rock had to come along. That's, that's what they say. That's what they that's say what they on say. the VH1 shows. That's what they say. That's what Flea says when they cut to him at the in every documentary what about, about every What about Chuck ever. Klosterman, John? What does Chuck Klosterman have to say? <laughs> would he be able to come in and give an opinion, do you think? I what about, Mar- what about Martin Scorsese? Would there be an opportunity for him to be sitting in a chair in his little theater and be able to opine on this? Because, you know, music I, is very important to Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I, I know it is, and I think that he would he would have another opportunity for... For, uh, for opining. For, yeah, for opining and for... Uh, for Dave Grohl to also be there. Oh, uh, Dave with Grohl. A, with a big smile, and he'd say something very charming, and everybody would agree. I watched his documentary on Netflix. Now, now here's another thing, is I was watching a program on Netflix, and they played a song that I must have heard before, because I had physical, I used to make out to physical graffiti in high school, and I owned an LP copy of it in college, and I listened to it, like, fairly often. Sure. I don't remember the song In the Light. The song In the Light is a very, very good song. And in I had the to, Light! I had to hear it on a Netflix television streaming program to really reappreciate it. It was really, really good. And I, I hear a song like that, I hear a cashmere, I hear a song like that, and I think, I think that's all John Paul Jones. Oh my God. I think I think I think Jimmy's just just he's, Jimmy's just sitting there counting his shekels. He, he shows up. He puts on a cape. He borrows a cape from Rick Wakeman. He shows up and then he just he plays some sloppy pentatonics for ten minutes. Sloppy this, pentatonics. This is bananas. You, you are, think so, really? You, you are literally bananas. Are you talking about live or on album or both or neither? I feel like John mm-hmm. Paul Jones, clearly a genius, mm-hmm. clearly a great, great, great player. He's a gamer. I, does he game? No, in the sense that, like, I think he genuinely loves music, 
as a he thing. Does. I don't. Th- I don't think he's he's there to pull birds. But or necessarily I, to make shekels. I think he's partly there just out of a genuine love of how ner- notes on a page like turn into something beautiful. But this is the problem. He's chronically, tragically underused in Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. because I do not think he was given the mandate. I, think I don't think he he's had... at least very under-recognized. I think his tastefulness... And like in some ways, maybe I don't say he was the Paul of the band, but I think in some ways he brought things to that band that made them so much more than what they'd previously been capable of. And we just read that as, oh, like he's the piano player or like he played the elbow here or whatever. He's very good, but he didn't he was not empowered because it wasn't his band. That's true. If there's if there's anybody in that band that's a hired gun, it's him. And I don't think that. I do not think that the magic of Led Zeppelin that you are hearing and attributing to to John Paul Jones is actually coming from the fountain of John Paul Jones. Hmm. I mean, he hmm. does a great job at the things that he does. Mm-hmm. That he he kills those things that were handed to him. And I wish that he had had more authority in the band. Because I think oh you're he, you're doing that thing you're saying okay what did they actually put on the screen like let's set aside all the Chuck Klostermanization of this like what actually happened in terms of what made it onto the vinyl yeah I'm okay. saying that that in the room those moments where where the other dudes where probably Paige said okay and then then all this needs to get done and he pushed the big platter of hot turkey dinner over and said like I don't want to think or think about this or do this. Mm-hmm. It came back to him, like absolutely perfectly done. Like all that piano, all that keyboard stuff. It's all him. Like he's super. I think gifted. he's the. I think he's the flautist. He's the flautist, but and every Jim, Jimmy other Page, thing. Jimmy Page stole the chord progression for Stairway to Heaven, but I think it's John Paul Jones that made it work. Hmm. I'm sorry, this is fraud. But, we can't put this Page, out now. We can't put this but, out. There's no way. Page, Page is the. Page is the one mm-hmm. that is coming up with all the riffs, all the tunes. He's the, you think he's like the Pete Townsend of the band? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, the you, because you know about his, you know, Page was like hot session guy. He was hot session guy. He was a yard bird. He, he was played, a yard he bird. Played on, he played I on think, Donovan's uh, Magic Carpet Ride. Uh, uh, hmm. hmm. <laughs> Wolf cover. I think he played on. Uh, I think he played on a Kink song. Possibly even you really got me. It's it's disputed whether his track made it on to the final, but he was on some early Kink singles, I think. And I, you know, and he was in the Beatles, right? Yeah, he, I he's mean, considered Jimmy the Page, se- he's considered the seventh Beatle, seventh Beatle, mm-hmm. the seventh son of the seventh son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's, that's no. where the, that's where the Iron Maiden album comes from. There are two good musicians in Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. and there are <laughs> two people who owned Led Zeppelin and made it and made everything in it. Now you're into a Gene and Paul type situation. There are two right? people in Led Zeppelin who died. Yes. There are two, but none of these twos overlap. Wait, who else right? in Led Zeppelin died? Uh... Uh, Frank, Frank Zeppelin. Frank Zeppelin, right. Yeah. Uh, he died early. He's he was like, the one. He's the Nell Aspinall of the band. He's like the eighth yeah. or ninth member of Led Zeppelin. He's, the, he's like the piano player of the Rolling Stones, who was in the Rolling Stones from the very beginning, but G- at a certain point. Right, Jimmy, they, Jimmy Stone. Yeah, at a certain point he got, he got put behind the curtain. Yeah, he drowned himself in an electric bathtub. Is uh, that what happened? I think that's what happened. He's the one that played that pretty ovation teardrop guitar piano uh rolling stone uh it gathers no moss but also mm-hmm. rolling stone um electric bathtub was actually a great band that's a terrific band yeah no i'm saying that there is um there was a guy mm-hmm. not brian jones um, oh you're talking about it's not not ian mclaughlin uh but one of those other it was a piano boy in the rolling stones yeah yeah, the piano. Is uh, it Nicky Hopkins? Player. No, I'm just saying names at this point. No, it's Ian Stewart. Ian Stewart, and he's not. He's not the guy from that English band. The other English band. That's the guy. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Ian. Wait, Ian Stewart. Ian. Who? Who? Who's the guy who hits you with your rhythm stick? That's Ian Dury. Who Ian, am I thinking of? Ian. Ian. Ian McKellen. Ian McKellen. Ian McDermott. Ian Dermot, Dermot Mc- Mulroney. Ian Lug Oldham. Ian Lug Oldham. He's the one that got sampled by that band who knocks people down walking down the street. That's right. And then they they losed all their money. They They lose all their money. money. Right, because they got Peter Allen to be their manager. That's the guy. That's the guy that was married to Liza Minnelli and he stole all their rights. Wasn't that him? 
Uh, th- was the he was he married to Liza Minnelli? Peter Allen, Peter Allen, and my baby smiles at me. I'll go to Rio. Who's the guy who stole all their money? He said, "Look, look, 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 you guys, you're not you're not getting paid right. I'm going to set this straight." No, it, that was uh, that was Dude Man. It was uh, it was a, like Al- Alan Funt. I was, know his name. It was Alan Funt. No, it was uh, Rick and Morty. <laughs> it, it was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, no, I think you're right. I think your friendship friendship is very important, but you have to know where to draw the line. Like, say Matt? for example, you let's just say hypothetically, you knew a drummer who really wanted him a steak. No, please no. Right, right. And it he, was he Alan could, Klein. That's Alan who we're Klein. Klein. Alan that's who I meant. That's like that's like Alan Funt. Yeah. Yeah, Alan or Ian Dury. No, I'm talking about Ian Stewart, who, do you know this story? No. He was a founding member of the Rolling Stones from the very beginning when oh. they all met on a railroad platform. And Mick Jagger was like... <laughs> the railroad platform at economics school that Mick went yeah, to. Yeah, at economics school. And he was like, hey, is that a Muddy Waters record? And, uh, and Keith <laughs> Richards... <laughs> and, and Keith was like, whoa, sorry, good morning, Dan. Because he's a prospector. <laughs> and then they became... Consonant Nick. <laughs> best pals, and they formed okay. this rock band. I, this, is, this is news to me. I thought, I thought that they met at that a Quarryman show where Mick had been doing some kind of an undergraduate thesis, yeah. and, and Keith, of course, was a pirate at the time. And, yeah, they and met, they, and they the met uh, splitting, splitting a fag, as they used to call it. They were splitting a fag. Okay. So this guy, Ian Stewart, was a really, really good musician, Stewart. and he was one of the bros... In the band, and then Andrew Lug Oldham, mm-hmm. their original manager, said in 1963, right before they became big, he was like, hey, mate, because mm-hmm. that's how they talk to each other. Yeah. You don't look <gasps> right. Oh. Because he looks kind of like Huey Lewis, or he looks like a, a bloke. Not like He's a, a shag- Scottish he- keyboardist, and he really does... Not look like he's in the Rolling Stones. He doesn't, and so Andrew, he, has, he has a he has a non Rolling Stones shaped face. Like no matter what he did with his hair, couldn't have done it. He yeah. always was going to look wrong. And so hmm. he said, and this is the one of the most amazing things I've ever uh, heard. He said, "Okay, I'll keep playing piano in the Rolling Stones from over here." Oh no! Just off stage, and. Everybody was like, great. And then eventually he was like, I'll carry the bags. Oh. You, guys, you guys run on ahead. And then pretty soon he was like... The he's, like ro- he's like Mal Evans meets a girl with a bag on her head? That's not very nice. He was the road manager. Okay. Oh, like, my goodness. In whatever reason, for, <sighs> in, in whatever how, mm-hmm. he continued to be in the Rolling Stones and in their operation and continued to play the piano. But he's, he's doing the, like straight up Cyrano in the wings. Like he's, yeah. not, he's not on stage. He's not acknowledged. He's certainly not going to be in band photos. He plays in, on Bigger's Banquet. He plays on Some Girls. He plays, uh, he plays on Honky Tonk Woman. He plays the piano. Oh, my goodness. The, on all the Rolling Stones songs until they started getting like, you know, Nicky Hopkins and Billy Preston and stuff to come do. But he was, uh, those guys were all coming and doing like flashy bits over the top of his key piano that is on every Rolling Stones record. So he is the, he's in the band. What a heartbreaker. None of us have ever heard of him because his face was wrong. Mm -hmm. And Andrew Lug Oldham was like, uh, uh, sorry. I mean, we still need a piano player, but, uh, and you're great. <laughs> and so, and it's another one of these, you know, if you put Keith Richards on a camera and you say like, what do you think of Cheryl Crow? Keith Richards will be like, oh, Cheryl Crow, she's amazing. She's the greatest. Uh, and so he's an, he's in that category of, but of he's Keith. not offering up plot. It's free and Stewart. Well, no, he would. He'd be like, oh, we couldn't have died without Ian. He was on Honky Tonk Women. Look at that. Stuart loaded but, gear into his van, drove the group to gigs, replaced guitar strings, and set up Watts' drums the way he himself would play them. I never, ever swore at him, Watts says, with rueful amazement. Yeah. Never yeah. swore at him. I never swore at him once. I swore at everybody else, mm. is the implication. Well, he had reasons, I'm sure. Everyone, everyone else that ever set up my drums, I swore at him. Oh, let's do heroin in France. It'll be fun. You guys can live on the other side of the island. It'll be great. I just, I feel like 
I he he played he played on uh, the Rolling Stones' best track, which is "Undercover of the Night." Wow! Uh, wow! Well, this may need to be a bonus episode. <laughs> you don't think it's the cover of Harlem Shuffle? Undercover the night. The empirically uh, greatest Rolling Stones song is "Rocks Off." Harlem Shuffle. And it's got that riff that I, I, I like. It's got that I riff. Just, that's where I learned that. That's where I learned that. Yeah, I disagree. But yeah, uh, mm-hmm. the sunshine you know, bores the daylights out of me. Everyone is entitled to their it's opinion. So that's, mesmerizing. That's the thing about the internet now. Yeah. No opinion is different from any other. All all animals are alike. You feel except like we're all. <laughs> I think some of them are on, huh, we're all on equal footing at this point. Is that what it at, feels like? At this point, every opinion is the same. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're feeling that uh, Rocks Off is the best Rolling Stones song. Yeah. Which in the past would have been demonstrably false. Mm. Now that science doesn't matter anymore, now that could be just as, uh, it, it could be taken as just as true as my opinion that Sway is the greatest Rolling Stones song. Sway is, very, is very, Sway is a very good song. Which is totally true, unimpeachably true. That's got a, gro- that's got a groove to it. Ugh. Ugh. Breaks my heart. Still, every time. Yeah, and it feels like they're playing like a little bit behind the beat a little bit. It's got a, oh, what a great song. So behind. They had some good songs. They had some good songs for sure. The Rolling Stones did, yeah, they did. They, they well, I, mm, I, yeah, mm. you know, there are no Beatles. Well, now, now, what about there are no Roger, Beatles? There are no Hitler. They're somewhere in between. What about Roger Daltrey's inferiority complex? Do you ever dwell on that? I think it is justified. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that may be it right there. <laughs>